0: Listeners, welcome back. We are in an extra episode. I don't even know. Is this an extra episode? It's an extra episode. We're talking about culture and how we elevate it. And I think it's critical for us to talk about this one piece, no matter how long or how short this episode is going to be for you all to listen to. You have to create a career path. Why? Why, Keith? Why, Michelle? Why must we have career pathing to make that a step in elevating your culture?
1: Well, first off, especially in the work environment today, nobody is going to stay in a role where they are stagnant or they have the perception that they're stagnant. If there is not a way for them to grow or a way for them to contribute beyond what they're already doing in their current role, they are very quickly going to get bored. And if they can't move on in your organization, they will find a place to move on in another organization.
0: Yeah, that's the end of the podcast right there.
1: That's it, right?
0: What he said. (laughs) Yeah. Boom, my drop. Actually, I have two things. You ready?
2: Yes, Maria, this is an extra episode because we are extra. And two, they don't actually have to have career pathing options, but they should expect outrageous turnover to Keith's point.
0: Outrageous?
2: Yeah, it's going to get pretty
0: bad. I'm making a prediction. I'm doing it right here. Have either of you been in an organization where they didn't have career pathing? Yes. Yes. And? (laughs) And? Yes.
1: um, (laughs) But I've seen two extremes. The first is that there's no growth path whatsoever and people feel stagnant and people have, they have no way to, or there's no clear path for them to say, I want to move up or I want to move to this. But I've also seen the other extreme. And, and uh, Maria, I think you uh, know exactly what I'm talking about. And you know the, exactly the organization I'm talking about where career pathing is so defined that you find yourself in a role that says, you're in this role, you can't get to that role because there's no path to get there. So I think there's a danger in in, in, in taking your career pathing to where it says, you started off in customer service so that means that the only track you could go to is customer service lead or customer service trainer and then business development manager and then sales and things like that so because somebody who starts off in customer service may not have the 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 skills or the ambition to continue that track they may want to they may want to go into operations they may want to go into marketing and so i think there's a danger in also creating career pathing that is restrictive to where they can't grow in the direction that they want to grow. You're telling them this is the only direction that you can grow in. And then you're going to find yourself in the same situation as if you had no career pathing whatsoever, where they're just going to leave.
0: (laughs) Yeah, what he had said. And that's Michelle's theme this whole entire podcast, guys. It is. It is. Companies where I've seen it done well, even
2: they think through the idea of lattice growth or even lateral growth as being a plus or even encourage that you would hop departments or change channels, if you will, because it makes you more effective the higher up you you promote, right? For a couple of reasons. I think it makes you more effective because you understand more aspects of the business. You understand the implications of, let's say, your choices in product development on failed because you've been in both of those worlds. But I think the other thing that it does, it, it allows you to create a really great network cross department, which helps people from making mistakes um, when they do launch stuff. So companies who think about growing sideways is as good as growing up or could be as good, depending on the person's need so it does become the way you think about career pathing in your organization and if you tighten it down too hard
0: yeah there's i mean there's limits with restrictions i recall me trying back many many moons ago to try to get into human human resources and the company would allow me to do an internship but when it came to actually offering me the position they said i have to leave the organization to be an HR person somewhere else and then reapply to re-enter in. I said, Well, if I'm leaving, the hell if I'm coming back, peace out, y'all. Right.
1: Yeah. And that's <laughs> and that 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 was the example I was thinking of before. Looking back at my own career, you know, I did who starts out in training? Nobody starts out in training, right? I had a completely different background that brought me into retail and into sales. And from there I I, I moved into training, but I draw on my experience in retail and I draw on my experience in operations and sales all the time. And I think that I wouldn't have the experience or the credibility that I do now if I didn't have that experience in other departments before moving into training. So I think it's important to recognize that a vertical career path is not always the best way to go because you're limiting the the experience and the skills that, that your employees are able to gain in order to move up. I think that the strongest buildings have the broadest foundations. So I think it's important to recognize that, that anybody can move in any direction as long as they're able to perform the job that you know, is required for them to perform. And I don't think that, the, that you need to restrict it, but I also think that there needs to be a process in place to allow for growth. And I think that that starts with, again, you know, you know we've talked on other, on other calls before about crawling before you walk and walking before you run. And I think where it starts is putting a process in place to, to measure how somebody is growing and in their current role first. I think that's the first step to make sure that you're, you're measuring growth, you're providing development opportunities for where people are right now. As your people begin to grow, you'll start to find ways And you'll start to find the right skills that help people move in different directions. But I think where it starts is where people are at right now.
2: Yeah, you know what? I completely agree, Keith. There's no question in my mind, I am a better HR professional because I worked in operations. I took on a role as a leader, I spent some time in a sales department. Those things helped me think through every choice that I make and how it's going to impact the different areas of the business. And also to your point, it starts with, I mean, it's pretty easy to create, you know, just like a generic IDP sheet and you help someone get to that place by simply starting with what are the requirements for that future job? What are you doing well in this current job? And what are the gaps? And then how do I help you get there? And if you're talking about someone who is a top performer already, what you're going to find is that filling the gaps is often as easy as giving them real life experiences. Doing right, like if I want to hop from production to sales, let me do some cold calling. Let me do some ride alongs with the sales team. If it's jumping from... One department, production, maybe operations into um, an HR department. Maybe it's spending a day shadowing somebody. Maybe it's helping be a part of a project or an initiative that's happening. Um, They can not only bring their perspective of their current job, but then also see the, the influences of the future job. And that's, for me, that's the greatest thing about top performers when you are a top performer, you can literally put them in real activities that contribute to the organization, and that's where they get their learning. So you're prepping them for that next step, and you're getting a win for the company at the same time. So, like, why wouldn't you do that?
1: I think when the pushback that we see from from organizations that don't do that is there, they always talk about the cost or the investment in time it takes to do this and how that is how they don't have the resources to do it. And it's not affordable, but I really, you know, it's, you can't afford to not do it, I think is, is the reality of it. And, um, I think that not to bring up a, uh, a subject where I know that we all don't see eye to eye on, but I think that, that providing those opportunities is what move somebody away from seeing their job as just a job and more seeing it more as this is my career. This is my mission.
2: Now, I will say, Keith, um, I'm not going to argue with you because I'm spot on agree with you, but I'm going to say something and I am hoping that everybody doesn't assume I'm talking directly to them. But this is the case in a lot of situations. There is a fail from an organization and often from the HR department at quantifying the cost of hiring. Um, If you actually, if you brought us in or had your HR team literally put time and dollar figures on what it costs to lose an employee and hire a new employee what you're going to see is exactly what he said. You can't afford not to retain your talent. You can't afford not to. But historically, not all HR teams were in a place to be able to, to bring that data forward and prove that from a business perspective. Um, so as a result, we ask you to rely on rely on our experience, and it doesn't always work that way. So ask your team to put some numbers to it, you will be shocked. And if you go beyond just the cost of a recruiter, if you start pulling in the time that it takes your IT team to get people up and running, the time it takes uh, back in administrative people to get things, the time it takes to get a credit card process, like when you start literally folding in everything that has to happen for a new employee, you are talking a ton of investment.
1: You know, I had a conversation with with a uh, a senior leader today that just frustrated the hell out of me because we were talking about something sim- close to this, and I had reached out because there is there was a there was an employee of this organization that I was I was I feel very strongly that they need to be developed in a certain program, and they're fairly new to an organization. They're they're full of ambition. They're not. Heavy on skill, but they've got a lot of ambition and, and drive. And the response I got was, I'm not going to spend the money to develop them right now. I'm not even sure they're going to stick around long term. Well, I can guarantee you they're not going to stick around long term if your attitude is, I don't know if they're worth the investment. I promise you that if that's your attitude, they will not be here. Frustrating.
2: Super frustrating. And this is the stuff that we're talking about now career pathing. This is your external, it's going to become your external footprint of your culture. It's going to be what shows up on Glassdoor. It is going to be the story that people tell about you and your organization. And it's going to eventually determine who applies for jobs in the future. Because when you have employees, they're constantly saying, uh, things on social media or Glassdoor, for example, like there's no career opportunity, there's no investment in your development. And by the way, for those of you who like to argue, um, you don't automatically get promoted when you get a job. That's not what people say when they, that's not what people automatically mean when they say development opportunities, right? So if you guys send an Instagram, go on, Michelle. They need to calm down. I had to work for 10 years before I got promoted. That is not, first of all, I'm going to delete your email when you fuss at me for it, because that's not even what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that you're willing to invest in us. Um, we've used on this, on this podcast series, we've used um, Starbucks in a number of occasions to talk about how they offer to pay your entire student debt. Uh, And they don't care what you went to school for. It goes back to an investment in people and making them better. And the cool thing is what we're talking about here is people asking you to make them better in a way that helps your company, not necessarily in a way that helps them get a new job. So that'll be the reputation they tell.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned reputation because it's amazing, especially for small businesses. Small businesses that you know are you're starting to grow and you're starting to really build a team of employees. And when your employees start getting the perception that they are not valuable enough to you to invest in their development, once people start leaving and those and your reputation starts tanking because of the reviews they're leaving you, when you think you can't afford development, wait till the first time you get the bill from the staffing agency that has to pr- recruit for you because your name is not drawing the employees in on its own because you will very quickly understand how the cost of developing, developing uh, employees is pennies compared to what it'll cost you to continue to recruit for your, for an organization that's got a bad reputation.
2: And guys, here's how easy it is. So like, I'm talking really big picture here. We really want to give you something you can walk away with and start this. If you need help, we are absolutely there for you. Call us at, or uh, send us a message at realtalent But it really is as simple as start with what you have today. Start by taking a whiteboard, putting the different departments at the top of the at the top of the whiteboard, putting a line between it, and then start by defining the addition the positions you've got. Um, Customer service specialist. You've got customer service representatives, and then just build all the way up to whatever your chief sales officer is, right? Um, and then just mark that out, and then start to look at it and decide is it is it right today? Um, ask yourself, are we if this is where we are in our sales team today? Is that model working? Is it right the way we have it designed? If it is, start to create employee profiles. What do you expect from an employee in those positions? The employee profile is a lot easier for someone, especially if you're someone who is trying to figure out how they're going to need to perform to get to that role. You guys have heard me say it. I'll write job descriptions for you all day long if you need some help creating job descriptions, but I'm not a job description fan. I want somebody to tell me what the day in a life of this person is like. What is the profile? Like build a picture for me. Tell me what the skills are. Don't tell me what the tasks are. I'll deal with the task. I just need to know I can handle the skill. And that's really where the employee profile will help you. And then you can literally lay that employee profile out. So in the example we shared earlier about Maria trying to um, move into HR and guys, seriously, she is one of the most brilliant HR professionals that I know, but she wasn't given that opportunity because that wasn't where she started. So in her situation, what we could have done was pulled out, you know, here's a starting role in HR. It's not necessarily equivalent to where you are today but it's where we like to start people. Here's the profile of that position. These are the skills that you have to have. Here's the education that we require. Here's how we can help you with that education. There are some projects coming up that can help you see what a day in the life looks like. That's it. Oh, it goes back to communication. This one drives me crazy because it is so freaking easy. We're not asking you to invent anything crazy. Take an org chart, plot out what you got already have and say, does this work? If it doesn't, add some stuff. We, I actually worked with um, a gentleman when I worked at Denny's and when we created our career pathing, we didn't think it was right. We thought there were um, about four critical positions or steps missing along the way. And so we put together a proposal to add those additional positions. And we were given the green light from our um, executive leadership because we put that case together. So start somewhere, start with where you are today, and then just have conversations with your people.
1: I'm going to generalize here because I think that there is a simple solution to this. And it's two things. If you want to keep employees and you want to keep them performing at a high level, they need to know two things. They need to know that they've got an opportunity to grow and they've got an opportunity to contribute to something larger than their own little world. And it's not about formalizing a, you know, a program that says, you know, in, in this many months, if you do this, you can do this, cut all that out. It's as simple as here's the opportunities you have to grow. And here's how you can be an even bigger contributor. And those two things alone will keep your employees happy. They'll keep your retention rate high. And more importantly, they'll keep your reputation as an employer where it needs to be to continue to attract talent.
0: Boom, what he said. Well, you've heard it listeners. That's all we have for this episode. So we'll catch you on our final one when we're talking about the need behind the need to elevate your culture. So take care. Bye everyone.